The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to the Voice America Network, and we're so excited today. We're doing something we've never done before. This is actually a live broadcast from a live event. So I just finished speaking uh, at the PMI Conference, Project Management Institute Conference in Birmingham, Alabama, where I'm from. And uh, had a fantastic event here, and we thought we would close it out today uh, by doing the show live uh, from the event. So we've got a live audience, uh, and I'm being joined today uh, by somebody. It's interesting uh, because you always have your firsts. So the first time I ever had a live guest on my show, it was this gentleman. And now the first time I'm having somebody where I'm interviewing them live in person is now on the show. Uh, This guy is a longtime and deeply committed PMI volunteer. He's been president uh, and VP of professional development in the PMI San Diego chapter. He's an all-around fantastic guy and currently, love this part about it, uh, he's a best-selling author. Number one uh, book right now in Agile Project Management. I've been saying a lot about it. I know it's getting a ton of sales and a ton of press. Was on the Today Show, which is, wow, you know, I've got to I've got to move my chair back a little bit because of the glow uh, <laughs> that I have right now. But I've got John Stenbeck here. And, and John, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Rick. It's nice to be back. It's, it's fantastic having you here. And, and you know me, I always like to dive right into topics. We try to pile as much content as we can into the radio show, and, and our listeners love it. And, and as a matter of fact, one of the top shows that I've had in the recording and the on-demand was the one that we did before, the Agile and Project Management. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to hit you with a couple of things. I had Erica Flora on the show a couple of weeks ago, and she's with Beyond 20 and uh, was ranked one of the top 20 people you should follow on Twitter. And, and you know, we've oh, had she's the, a fantastic she's expert. Amazing. Amazing. We've, we've had the opportunity to know Erica professionally and personally. And But I got into this weird kind of topic. We, we were having fun as we do and joke around, and I got into this weird epiphany. Um, you know, as project managers, we've longed for estimates. We've longed for gathering estimates, and we long for getting people to, to tell us the tasks and breaking those down and that kind of stuff. And, and so a lot of people struggle with developers and trying to get that from development. And then I sit back and, and I hear these terms in Agile and you see Agile taking over the world and kind of development world right now. And then I watch these developers go into stand-up meetings, break down tasks further than I've ever asked them to do, and provide statuses daily. And I'm like, man, if you have ever would give me that information, we'd have been far successful in our projects a long time ago. So is that a failure of the project management profession? Is it a failure of how we've acted as project? I mean, what gives in that scenario? Why would you do that in Agile, and why wouldn't you do that for me as a project manager? What, would you, what do you think? About well, see, that? And I think what it really boils down to is they won't do it for you, and they won't do it for me. They won't do it for a project manager because that's, that's an outsider. That's somebody else. And the key to those daily stand-ups where they are getting into that intimate detail is they're synchronizing with their teammates. They're synchronizing with their friends and they're connecting to make sure. And, and I, 
I don't know if I'd call it a fa failing of project management, but if it's a failing, it was that perhaps we were trying to manage or control too deep into the detail. Right? The, the coach of a football team has to coach his team, has to have the plays, has to provide the fields and the uniform. But once you get the team on the field, the quarterback has to have the right call and audible, right? The, the team has to communicate in the huddle those last minute, hey, the guy on the, across the line from me has a particular attitude today, so let's double team him and flat back him and get his attention, right? And so, so there's some of that going on. The other thing that Agile's been really good about, we call, right, personal safety. Create an environment. See, when I'm with just my team, we're doing our daily stand-up, we're connecting and synchronizing, I'm not feeling any kind of risk. But enter Rick, the project manager, or John, the project manager, a lot of times the teams are feeling a sense of risk. They're feeling something less than entire or total personal safety. So there's some things we can do there. So how do we bridge that gap, right? So they'll never do it for me? They'll, they'll never give me that information as a project manager? Or how do I cross that bridge or get to that? So I think the answer is for us to realize what level of granularity of detail we actually need. And the great thing about the, the agile iterative approach, and we call it the microdynamic level, right, is let's define what level of granularity do, do I need. Do I need details at, at a one-week level of granularity, a two-week level of granularity? See, the thing is I don't need detail at a daily or hourly level of granularity. It's a mistake for me to think I need it or that I can impose upon them that they have to. Now, they need that level of granularity amongst themselves but I don't need it to manage because I'm making weekly decisions or bi-monthly or monthly decisions. That's the level of granularity I need. So there needs to be some mutual respect that they'll help me. They'll provide the weekly or bi-weekly or monthly granularity that I need to speak with effectiveness to the key stakeholders that we're responding to. And I'll leave it to them to define the intimate hourly or daily details for how they're going to get to providing reliable weekly data for me. So that's tough for a lot of projects. So, you know, I do, as you know, a lot of PPM implementations, right? And, and when we, we roll that out, I watch these project managers who want to get down to those four-hour tasks. And, 30, and it's that command and control perspective. I, I need to be command and control. So that's that's kind of, and I have to teach them how to bring those tasks level up. Because we don't, I, I don't care that that server was installed and that you installed the operating system and now you've got the virus. I don't care. I care that it's the server's up and running. I, I don't need to know the 17 checklist items that went into building that server. So, it, but, but there's so many project managers that I work with in the field that still feel like they need to know that, that there needs to be accountability to that. So, I mean, that's tough for them to hold on to. Is that why we're, we're seeing the shift? Well, you know, it's funny. I think, and you know enough about my background, I started as a forensic accountant <laughs> before becoming an engineer, before becoming a project manager. Talk about OCD. I mean, I'm the poster child, so I liked having that level of detail. What's funny is I think a lot of us became successful project managers, and I'm looking at the audience here, right, getting the nods that, yeah, we became successful project managers because we understood the details. We had the command of the details before we were a project manager, and it's kind of that, you know, they give you the, the ordination ceremony. You are a great C++ programmer, so now thou art a project manager, unfortunately with the ordination ceremony there doesn't a lot of times come the, the manual of now you have to let go of that granularity of detail you're managing at a different level 
with a different purpose. You know, my purpose now is to inform and guide decision makers. You know, I'm, I'm disenfranchised with the term project manager. I'm just going to say that because okay. I, I, it, it gives us that thought of management. And, and I love the term project leader so much more. So much more. Oh my God. I wish we could change the term. Unfortunately, it's ingrained and it's the Project Management Institute, not the Project Leadership Institute, but I wish we really, maybe we should start a petition right here, right now. We got a, what, 12, <laughs> 15, 30 signatures we could get. Um, no, no, for the live audience, we have a thousand people in this room. They don't know, so that's <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, There's 7,000 people here at PMI Birmingham listening to us live right now, including the 91 countries. I'm going to give you another one of my favorites, and we've, we've revisited this before, but I think it's important for anybody who's listening to the show for the first time or anybody that's listening in the audience. My favorite quote that I hear, and, and I loved your answer before, which is why I'm going to give you the softball question again. Um, but unfortunately, uh, one of my clients uh, just uh, a week and a half ago, uh, two years ago, they were preparing for IPO, um, had a huge investment, didn't really know how to manage finances, bought CAPPM for that matter. Um, and now it's two years later, they invested heavily in Scrum. And uh, their scrum master leader who has come in has convinced them that they're agile now so they don't need project management, has laid off their entire project management team and decommissioned CAPPM. So what is the reaction to people who go, we're agile, we don't need project management? Again, I think it's a misperception about granularity. It's the difference between the microdynamic and the macrodynamic. And for the microdynamic team, you know, uh, interaction, perhaps they don't need a project manager, but if you think of the team as if it's driving along in a race car, right? If, if you have just one car racing out in an open field, no problem. But if you're gonna have a couple of dozen cars or a couple of thousand cars racing down roads, now all of a sudden you need some yellow lines, you need some guardrails, you need some stoplights so that it works more effectively and efficiently, better use of resources for the entire community, entire organization, and, and quite frankly, so that we avoid head-on collisions, because we've all been in those projects where a lack of planning, a lack of communication or foresight, and we did it twice, or we did it not at all, we drove off the cliff, or we crashed you know, head-on into each other, and, and that's not a good outcome. So it's, again, it's two different things. Right, agile at the microdynamic, which is where it's really well known to, to create a team dynamic that's powerful. And now if you want to scale agile, right, it's a whole nother set of skills. And that's where project managers can add a lot of value. And turn, you know, none of the agile frameworks has any kind of cost management tool set. Or no, right, yeah, or any kind of sophisticated scheduling tool you know, associated with it. So if you're only using Agile on little, tiny, inconsequential kinds of things, perhaps you don't need any kind of project management influence. But if you're trying to scale it to a program or a large project or the enterprise or to create competitive advantage or strategic execution, you're going to need some additional tool sets. And that's where it's just a different perspective, a different level of granularity. And we had a great conversation out there, actually, with you know one of our reps uh, from CA, and he's, you know, I'm imploring some changes in the tool, and one of those is dependencies. He's like, why should we do dependencies if Agile is getting so hot? Who cares? And I'm like, because you still have to see how everything interconnects. You still have to see how strategies and things go, even if we're not going to get down to that project level. And and uh, in fact, when we come back from break, we'll talk total application lifecycle management, right? Some of that new thought leadership that we're talking about. And let's talk that interconnection. Let's talk about how project management, agile management fit together 
in, in, in house, even interconnected in, in some of the tools and technology, what we can do and, and what some of those breakthrough thoughts are uh, that we're doing. Uh, so we're right up against the break. We're going to listen to some of our sponsors. We love it that they pay our bills. We love them for that. And uh, you're listening to the Work-Life Balance live from Birmingham, Alabama, from the PMI Birmingham Symposium. We'll be right back. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand. They are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back. Thank you for uh, joining us on the Work-Life Balance. Uh, What's interesting is you never really uh, realize how long your intros are until you have a live audience staring at you. So that's interesting. Um, And and we are coming to you uh, live from the uh, symposium at PMI Birmingham here. And on the break, uh, we asked the audience if they had any questions for us. And we did get a question. John, you want to go ahead and reiterate the question? Let's get into the answer. Okay, so I'll try and get the question correct to start with. But the question was, okay, we're talking granularity. We're talking agile at the microdynamic, the macrodynamic. So so give us an example. How do you do this 
for instance, in a large-scale software deployment. And since part of my background is ERP system implementation, I'm going to use that. It's, it's not software development, but the level of configuration going on in an ERP system probably emulates the environment that the question was about. And it was a great question. And, and so the, to think of it this way, when I'm configuring the specific tables and settings and predefined fields and all of that stuff for, let's call it the accounts payable module, right? I've got a team, I'm working in iterations, and that's the, the word I like, microdynamic. And they're going to work in one week or two week iterations and kind of report out to us at that point. I don't need to know day by day, minute by minute, which table they're configuring or which values they're you know, filling out. However, that behavior needs to be guided at the macro level, at the, that macro granularity level with, with definitions and information provided, for instance, from the CFO. What is the chart of accounts? Right, is it three digits dash, three digits dash, four digits, or three digits dot, three digits dot, four digits, right? So what's the configuration of that field got to be in order to accomplish the goal that that, that CFO is, is needing to apply? And, and oh, by the way, that guideline that he's applying, again, using the earlier analogy of the, you know, the, the, the yellow stripe down the middle of the roads and the stoplights and that kind of stuff, that chart of accounts is going to affect the accounts payable module as well as the accounts receivable module, the general ledger module, and all of that. And so we have the microdynamic going on. It's being guided by some of this input from significant stakeholders to set some of that kind of stuff up. And then I'm going to have integration points, which again, when we're, when we're talking about scale and agile, now we're integration, integrating significant things like the integration between accounts payable and accounts receivable, the integration between the two of them and the GL. Right? And, and at some point now I'm going to go live with my accounting module or modules, and then I'm going to start configuring the manufacturing modules or the logistics modules or whatever else that is. And now those are going to have to interface and integrate. And oh, by the way, when I go live with the accounting modules, I'm going to have to interfa interface or integrate with the existing legacy systems, most likely. And so I'm going to need some definition. here. One of the things I'm fond of pointing out, because so few agile aficionados or experts point this out, but none of the agile frameworks has any kind of budget management tool set or any kind of sophisticated scheduling tool set. So, so the role, if you will, of project manager in Agile is to provide the higher level, more structured elements around the environment so the team has the freedom to put the pedal to the metal in that race car and move forward without fear of getting into you know, a head-on collision. What was interesting is we actually had this, I had this very same conversation with a client yesterday in, in, in talking about this, and they brought up an ERP system as, as this point. So obviously you're not going to run an ERP project as an agile project, but you can have iterative agile portions within the delivery of the project. So when you look at the project schedule, it's still traditional waterfall. It, we're not going to say, well, we're going iterate, to iterate AP <laughs> as it comes out. Really not. But you are going to iterate, as you say, the definition of certain details and that kind of stuff where we don't need to get into the detail. And that leads into application lifecycle management, what we were talking about. The CFO and CIO is still disconnected, quite frankly. 
if we look and, and, and we try to go to a CIO and say, how many applications do you have in your portfolio? One, most of us don't know. Hundreds of applications, and we don't have a good inventory platform for that because it goes stale the moment we finish. Um, and with the advent of SaaS and, and you know apps on the phone and everything else, it's so cheap to get these new applications in, in open source. The second thing is, is it's impossible for us to capture the support costs. And now that we're agile, we're breaking things down even further. How do we track time and get all of that kind of information in there so we're becoming even more disconnected so we can kind of take our labor at the CIO level and dole that out? But if we're trying to make consolidation decisions, if we're trying to make make or buy decisions, we're trying to do replacement decisions, we really don't know the true cost. But because of Agile, I think we can get there. I think we get a lot closer with Agile than I ever did with traditional, and I think that's part of what attracted me to Agile, right? Again, the accounting roots in me were frustrated as a project manager, as a project cost control officer, that there was so much vagueness and, and so much unreliability in the information that we were getting in the tra traditional environment. But when we started talking about what will the outcome be at the end of an iteration, and I, again, I can, if I need more granularity, I do one-week iterations. If I, need, if I can get by with less granularity, I do four-week iterations because it costs money to collect and manage that data. So I don't want to spend money, right? Lean says avoid waste. I want to avoid the waste of collecting daily detail if I'm not using daily detail because it's expensive to collect daily detail. So let's figure out what level of detail we're going to use. And let's build our reporting and our tracking accordingly. So it's planning level accuracy. It's planning level detail. Again, the job of the project manager moves much more clearly into the role of being an influencer, of helping to manage and support decision makers and the decision making process. And interestingly, when you do that well, you insulate the development team from the interference of the decision makers. And those two systems have to be integrated, but they operate better if they're not fighting with each other. There you go. And, and then we, as we look at it from a tool set perspective, what's interesting, anybody, anybody in here that's ever implemented a PPM tool, you've hit a wall. And that wall comes around total time entry. When we start to look at total time entry, you start looking at Agile. Well, Agile's got 300 tasks to something that I just want to call a module in my project portfolio management. And then if you look at support, support's always been the big one. You know, what's the cost of doing password resets on this application? We can never get that detail. It's ridiculous. With the advent now of something like a CAPPM, which is interesting, we've been able now to say, you know what? Everybody stay in your tool of choice. And now that developers love their tool of choice in, in this agile world, they've got a JIRA, they've got a Rally or Agile Central now, they've got a version one. Now that I've got people in CAPPM and now that you're in heat or something like that, we're saying, you know what, track time to those tickets and those level. And let's consolidate that to where I can actually tell you, you spent seven hours last month resetting passwords for CAPPM. You spent 15 hours doing bug work. You spent 22 hours doing enhancements and you did a project that cost 150 hours. Here's your total cost of an application. And it's mind-blowing, right? I finally, that was my epiphany that I had a few months ago that I shared with you. But we actually now can deliver true total cost application management to never that, that we've never been able to see before because Agile exists. 
I, I mean, I'm 100% on board. I'm almost speechless because you being a Pimbach nerd, and, and yeah. I said it was funny, kind of funny. I'm thinking you're a radio host, but you're when you talk total time and cost entry, and you're you're rattling off. I'm thinking, man, you're a geek. Oh too. yeah, I do. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> and agile is, but this is why I think it's a false dichotomy, and I'm amazed at the battle between those who are traditional only versus those who are agile only. Hell, if they understood each other, they're in violent agreement. Yes. Right? That we help each other, we help our organizations, we help our careers, if we in fact do that better, where we have the, the higher level reporting for the decision makers and the lower level detail, let the team manage it for themselves. Why fight what works? <laughs> Why fight what works? So do we have any other questions from the audience? If you guys want to cue that up, we have a break that's going to be coming up here shortly and we'll be taking that. Um, one of the things I always like to ask you too is, and, and this is another big thing that I hear in the Agile world though, um, we can't tell you how long it's going to take because we work off of story points, not hours. Help me with that one. Okay, so it, right, and, and I hear that regularly also, and again, it proves that there's a complete misunderstanding. One, one of the interesting things, and I think this part of what drives this confusion is a lot of us come from an engineering or technical background, and we say, okay, what's the story point? Is it an hour? Is it an hour and a half? Is it two hours? You know, what is the story point? Help me out here. The thing is, we as human beings physiologically, our perception of the future is non-linear. The farther out it gets, the more vague it becomes simply because of the distortion of time. We're also non-linear when we're trying to perceive the size of something. The bigger it is, the more distortion. So we can see if something's near or small, I can see it a granularity of ones and twos and threes. But if it's far or big, I cannot see it a granularity of 88, 89, and 90. It's more like 80, 90, 100. So story points are typically associated with a nonlinear numerical series, most famously the Fibonacci right sequence because that matches to that nonlinear distortion so the problem is a story point in the near term might equal a day or an hour depending on how we're using it but a story point on the far horizon won't do that because it's nonlinear what's more important in terms of aiding and supporting decision makers and you see me keep coming back to that thing in terms of us influencing the organization helping it be successful what's more important is about what will I have it can I count on or expect in six months or in a year. To, to insist on knowing to the, the day and the hour what I'm going to deliver six months or a year from now is to ins insist on false precision. And insanity. And for some yeah, reason we absolute do that again. Insanity. I did it in my speech for those that were with me. They said, you know, uh, we plan this project, we're going to be done in September. Great. Can we have it in June? <laughs> And my response is always, you know, June next year is a fantastic time. Yeah, <laughs> certainly not what they were going. No, we meant June this year. Oh no, 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 then no. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> or, or not without inducing a hell of a lot of risk by using forecast data and other things instead of using actual. Right? You can right. accelerate, but you have to understand acceleration. You know, includes risk. Law of diminishing returns yeah. as well. I can't just put 12 people on it and make it do it faster, right? Yeah. We get the law of diminishing yeah. returns. So we're up against another hard break. Um, this was our second segment. We love everyone listening. If anybody else has questions, you want to email me at rmorris at rsquareconsulting.com. 
can hit me up on Twitter at Rick A. Moores. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to be collecting questions on the break as well. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance live from PMI Birmingham Symposium, Birmingham, Alabama. We'll be right back. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back, again, live from Birmingham, Alabama. We're so thankful for everyone that's listening, everyone that's attending here. We're having a fantastic time. It's a way to end a Friday. That's why I love doing this show on Fridays from 4 to 5, right? So for, for me, it's the last thing I do on my workday before I go hang out with my family. It's a fantastic time for me to take a step back and reflect on the, on the work week. Uh, for the listeners out there that, that love to connect with me in person, first of all, the, the emails and, and tweets that I continue to get uh, about my hospital stay that, that was a couple of weeks ago when... Uh, I had to stay in the hospital. I had to cancel the show. You, you guys have been a blessing, and I appreciate the audience reaching out. I'm fine. Everything's good. I've been back on the trail. Uh, for those of you that are in New York, I'll be in New York uh, May 23rd, 24th, speaking at the Resource Planning Summit, actually on the USS Intrepid, so we're looking forward to that. 
Uh, and then we got an event um, with Mr. Stenbeck, uh, who is uh, <laughs> out of breath, <laughs> but we'll save the details. Uh, he's out of breath. Uh, but coming up in June, I believe, like June 12, something like that, we've got an event coming up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's June 17. June 17. Yeah. And it's our first symposium in a box, which John is the brainchild of and I'm happy to be a part of. So, John, we uh, we pulled the audience and got some questions. Um, I'll let you catch your breath for a second. Um, but uh, got some great questions while you're on the break. So, first question I want to hit you with is does a team um, have to be trained in agile ways um, to perform agile or is the leader of agile can they lead them you know finer does everybody have to become certified in agile in order to be effective as an agile team Did, Wally was that a great way to ask the question we guess with that okay I love it you know and Wally thank you for writing that down I appreciate it so the, the truth is the team needs to understand Agile to be able to apply, right? You, you got to have, you know, driver's training before they, well, if we have any sense, you have some driver's training before we put you behind the wheel of a car. And even then, I don't know about you, but I'm afraid to get on the road anywhere near a 16-year-old when they're first driving. So, so the team needs some training, but I don't know that they have to be certified. I don't know if they have to go through a lot of formal training. They need to have some training, but I think on-site training, coaching, mentoring, provided by somebody who knows what they're doing, absolutely is adequate. In fact, you know, what's interesting, when you look at the, the uh, some of the details in the research that's been put out in, in the uh, State of Agile Development Survey from version one, and, and the, again, the most recent one is, it's, it's kind of continuing a trend of multiple years, but the fastest growing market segment in the Agile frameworks space is hybrid. What typically happens is a team or an organization starts with a defined methodology and then they adjust it, they tailor it, they customize it so it works better for them, their organization, in whatever context they're in and that would be called hybrid. So I think most organizations are gonna start with Scrum or Lean Software Development or whatever methodology they choose but then they're gonna tailor it to work more effectively. Because you know that the organization doesn't care whether you're doing agile or traditional or honestly Aunt Susie's recipe. They only care about results. They only care about if, are you making a statistically significant advance towards better project outcomes, better strategic implementation, better overall results. And so that's really what's fueling this. So somebody has to have some level of depth to help kind of get it started. But then understand that really if we're truly agile, and agile being truly agile means understanding and applying lean principles. It means figuring out where there's waste and eliminating it. And it's very interesting to me that one of the things that seems to have occurred over the last several years is almost a hardening of the attitudes in a lot of the agile space where they say you must do it this way which is precisely what they accuse traditional project managers of being, right? And, and, I, and I'm just as frustrated with traditional project managers or organizations who say, thou shalt do every single thing that's in the PIMBOK. You know, that's just a recipe for stupid. The, the correct approach is use the, the ones that, oh yeah, exactly, and use the parts and the pieces of the puzzle or the process that help you better build the puzzle. Right, so the very definition of a methodology is first take a look at everything and then choose the pieces that you're going to use. That's the definition of a methodology. It's not a prescriptive right. piece. It's, it's a methodology. Um, 
if there's one thing I can implore anybody who's listening to us and anybody who's planning to go into Agile or explore Agile or Agile training, please do your due diligence and not hire one of these cowboy coders that's going to come in here and teach it the wrong way. It, it, ask them the question, do you still need project management if you're going to do Agile? And find out that answer. And, and I'm going to go 100% biased because he's sitting next to me. Look at Great PM. Look at GR, the number 8pm.com. Look at their services, that kind of stuff. There's nobody else that I would trust to bring in it to my organization or any organization that I work with to do the training. But the worst thing you can do is go hire somebody who's going to teach it wrong. Yeah, and we run into organizations regularly where oh. you can't use the word agile or anything associated with it because they got burned so badly in the past. You know, it's funny, you started out this broadcast talking about the client who had decommissioned CAPPM and thrown out all the project managers because some agile aficionado, quote unquote aficionado, told them they don't need it anymore. I'm just telling you, be patient. Oh, I know. We're only talking we'll six months or a year. Six months or a year, they're calling it. And, and yeah. it's gonna be, that's going to be such an expensive, painful lesson. What'll, what's dangerous there is they may draw the wrong conclusion that Agile's bad. That Agile's bad, and, and, and what I'm afraid of, too, is that they're going to choose another wrong tool and say that CAPPM was bad, too. And it, it, It's the same thing. And, and I run that into the PPM space. Is I see a lot of people that do poor implementations of any tool set. It, Regardless, any tool set. So therefore, the tool is bad. When the tool is fantastic, the person that you chose or the group that you chose to do the implementation didn't know what they were doing. So now it's got a negative perception. But actually, the tool can do everything that you want it to do. Just nobody implemented it properly. It drives me nuts in the industry. And you know, it's funny. And I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn for us here because the name of this show is the work-life work balance, balance yeah. right? And the truth is sustainability is a core concept in Agile. And if you want your teams to be more than a one-hit wonder, if you want them to do it well, right, you have to tie in some of the stuff Wally was sharing in his keynote earlier about, you know, you have to think about how do we guard the team and how do we make it viable and how do we create personal safety and, and those kinds of things. How do we play like a champion which includes rest and recovery time, which re includes review time, which includes personal safety and sustainability would be the words from Agile. And if you look in the PMBOK, it's implying and sometimes outright explicitly stating that we have to have responsibility for the whole environment, that whole like life cycle that you were talking about. Well, that's why I actually named the show The Work-Life Balance. My job and our job as a project manager is to protect our resource no number one. That's pushing back on mandated dates. That's creating a proper schedule. It's making sure nights and weekends are not a habit. And, and, and it's bringing that awareness to everybody that there is a work-life balance. You know, we make people work nights and weekends, you know, Regardless, you know, they have families, you know, that's son or daughter's baseball game or soccer game or football game, or even if they, they don't have the family, that's my personal time. And I'm not going to give that to you just because you made up an arbitrary date. And I didn't have the strength of a project manager to push back on that. And, and, and the, you got me on my soapbox now, John. It's hard to get off. So, but, I, but I do want to come back and address the next question that we got uh, while you were gone. So um, one, of, one of the other questions, and, and help me remember, I remember the BA question, but... There we go. Yep, thank you. So the Scrum Master and PM, what's the best way for them to work together and communicate? Okay, so I think the first thing is to respect the importance and the differences of their roles. So, right, how do the PM and the Scrum Master work together, which is a great question. And in most of our big corporate clients, I'll call them our Fortune 2000 and government agency type clients, 
Typically, a project manager is responsible for managing the stakeholders, for setting the higher level, I'll call them environmental controls, right? To get the yellow stripes on the road, get the stoplights in place. And the scrum master is part of the team that's helping to, you know, fuel the car and drive it and produce results and to make sure that we have good team dynamic and sustainability and personal safety. And so those two should work together. If you're asking in terms of kind of span of control, and most of our bigger clients what we find is that right one project manager will be managing the environment that'll potentially have a couple of product owners and a couple of scrum masters, therefore several teams involved in that space. What, one of the things that just kind of makes me laugh about this is in the environments where we see this happening the most successfully, right? We have some of that maturity coming from the project management side of the house. And then when you get into the, the agile space, the agile onlyist or the really the dedicated agile kind of community, there's a battle right now going on between right the folks who advocate for safe, the scaled agile framework, which is the big, you know, ticket or the big the big name draw for how do you scale agile. And then there's folks who call it unsafe. <laughs> and there's the folks who say it's less, right? And the folks who say SOS, scrum of scrums. And there's, there's all this battling going on. And yet there's already well-defined, well-researched, well-proven best practices available to manage that part of the environment. But they've decided in advance that nothing good can come from PMBOK or PMP or PMI land. So they don't look for it. Well, you know, that, that violates, again, the lean principle of avoid waste. Don't recreate the wheel if it already exists. Use it and go forward, leverage it, right? Keep your overhead down. That's very interesting. So we are on our last hard break here. We've got one more segment that we're gonna do. We did have one other question in the audience that we wanna make sure we address when we come back. And uh, we'll get that around documentation. It is one of our favorite, oh, we're agile now, so we don't need to document. <laughs> um, so we'll get that piece uh, as well and, and get your thoughts on that. And then we'll wrap up the show. And again, we're live here in Birmingham, Alabama. We appreciate everyone listening, listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end -end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. 
and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end -end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance this Friday. We're so happy to have you guys join us again. Uh, the, the numbers keep coming in. Uh, John Stenbeck's show is one of the more popular shows. We had Paul Pedrazzi on the show. We've had Erica Flora on the show. And, and Yeah, I'm just name-dropping now, right? But, um, but uh, the show continues to, to be a runaway success, and we, we certainly appreciate that. And uh, uh, 91 countries heard your Agile story. Which I, I even I, I can't name ninety one countries, but uh, it was interesting to see those numbers come in. So we certainly appreciate the listenership and support of the work life balance. We hope that you'll continue to do so. And as we come back to this live edition, uh, we did have another question from the audience, and, and it, this was around kind of the business analyst side. Um, and uh, again, it's one of those. <laughs> I think it's funny, uh, but hey, um, you know, a lot of our requirements are supposed to be well documented, well thought out, well tested, and that kind of stuff. And, and we use that excuse again. We're agile now, so we don't really need to document those things. Uh, we don't need a business analyst anymore either, uh, because we're agile. So, what's what's your thoughts to that? Well, interestingly, I think business analysts, especially senior business analysts, make fantastic product owners make a fantastic person to help lead and guide the team. But here's the one caveat. A lot of business analysts are used to providing, you know, analysis of the business requirements and then somebody else making the decision about when and how to integrate it in the development process. The product owner has to be responsible for decision making to keep the development process moving forward. I also disagree with folks when I hear them say that we don't need no stinking documentation, we don't need no, right? No, no. We're just lazy. <clears throat> My experience of Agile, when it's done right, you actually end up with more documentation and correct understanding of requirements development in an Agile environment is that it, de it develops in a time-appropriate way. I'm not trying to develop huge, deep, detail a year in advance because too much will change but it doesn't mean I'm not developing the detail what I'm collecting along the way and recording in the form of user stories most often device right is is what do I need to have still have a conversation about what are the critical items that I don't want to forget or overlook and so I'm documenting those and the two halves of a user story the story is about what do I require what do I need and the other half is, how will I know when it's done? What are the acceptance criteria? What are the tests for the test-driven development part of it? And there are few people out there better qualified to help put that in place than business analysts. And business analysts 
typically have developed very good skills for having insightful conversations with stakeholders to draw out, even when the stakeholder doesn't quite know. It's funny, you know, I talk a lot about the project management world, but I think it, it, as much, if not more, the business analyst role is more abused, I think, in, in a corporate world or more misunderstood. I feel so sorry for I them. do too, because half the time they're treated as project managers when they're not, and then half the time, uh, actually, again, with the client yesterday, I had this conversation where they go, well, I need this business analyst because they understand my business. And it's like, yeah, but that's not their job. Their job is to elicit the business requirements from you. You don't just rely on the business person because, oh, they'll, they'll know what I want. No, <laughs> that's not how it works. That's not how the job works. So it's, it, it's interesting to see the abuse of the different environments. So we've been a little doom and gloom on Agile um, to a way, but give us the real positives. What, when we do it right and we integrate it right, the, the top three benefits, I'm an executive, you're selling me now. Top three benefits of me doing this. So right from the highest level, it's this is how we're going to effectively implement the strategy that you believe will make the company superior to com its competitors, which means it's gonna lead to better bottom line dollars and a bigger Christmas bonus for you. Hey, it's right? all about the money, right? right? So at least at some level, money is an objective measure of are we succeeding in meeting our customers' needs and attracting their interest and in, in getting them to come back, right? And that is a huge concern. It keeps the company alive. It provides jobs for the people who work here. So, you know, that's one big benefit. If you're in a regulated environment, and see, and this is really where it's funny because I hear other people say, oh, well, you know, we're regulated, so we couldn't possibly do Agile. Not true. Even more of a reason right. to do it. Maybe, yeah. perhaps, but the, the big key is don't dismiss it, right? Look at it because you could end up with actually better documentation, right? Better as-built documentation, better data collection that you can use then to fulfill those regulatory requirements. So you, I think you end up with a more robust uh, view. If it's done right, you get more robust documentation. I always like to talk about, you know, back in the days when I was buying software as a young man, it came in a box on a CD and you had to drive to a store to get it. And in that box was a manual. And I think the manual was written before the software was written because it didn't match up. Yep. And a billion dollar industry grew up producing those Microsoft Press type of manuals for how do we actually use the software. And so the, the, the documentation that Agile focuses on is the as-built documentation, the real McCoy, what will help the user maximize the value, right? And, and John Maynard Keynes said, it's better to be approximately right and precisely wrong and that <laughs> that early documentation was precisely wrong and the, the agile documentation may only be approximately right but it's better because of that so that's a couple of I think key benefits to to really looking at agile and I think the story here that, that, that we're learning from is is it's certainly like any other methodology it's got its pros it's got its cons but you got to do your research and you can't just jump in you can't go oh, you know this and I see that all the time right? we're gonna go agile in six months Okay, how are you going to do that? We're going to hire a scrum master. We're going to be agile. Yeah. There's organizational change management that comes with it. There's the understanding of what that impact of that change is going to be. And there's got to be a methodology to that as well. You've got to handle going agile as a project. As a, it's not just a switch that you throw in an organization and all of a sudden you're agile. There is turn and burn and churn that goes with that. And I, and I think people don't understand that. It's just, you, you can't, tomorrow I can't be, you know, 
uh, just a whole new person I've got to change over time. There is a learning curve, and as you learn and grow, right, the, the initial things you have to conquer won't be the things you'll need to conquer next to go to the next level. Somebody famous, right, said, I think, was they, I think it's attributed to Einstein, right? The, the level of thinking that got us to the level of problems we have today is not the level of thinking that will solve them for us. And so you can do some initial agile stuff rather rapidly, but if you want to grow it, if you want to scale it, if you want to really leverage it to produce desirable outcomes, you have to invest some time and some money and some energy. You have to allow for the learning curve. And you have to remember that the focus isn't whether we're doing agile or traditional. The focus is are we statistically improving the probability of desirable outcomes. When that becomes your focus, you get a better work-life balance and you get a better balance for the organization. And, and I definitely think the tool set's here to stay. I mean, you had Six Sigma, that was the big thing for a long time, and then we went lean with that, right? But the tool set's here to stay, right? Project management's here to stay, Agile's here to stay. And what I've learned from interviewing the experts in the industry, certainly yourself and Erica and several of the others, the people who really get it, the people who really get Agile have learned how to take those same principles and apply it to their lives as well, and, and have seen great improvements in their lives by those methodologies, so it intrigues me, it interests me. I, I love hearing that portion too, um, and so that, that that's very interesting. Um, but it's another tool in the tool belt in which you execute the tools and execute them right. But it's not the end all be all. I'm going to live this way. It's, you know, I'm not going yeah. vegan. Right. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. I, I mean, there's only two places where Agile's a silver bullet. Right. One is if you're going to buy a cold case and drink them. <laughs> and the others, if you're cores, yeah. perhaps, right? <laughs> yeah. But there ain't no silver bullet. Agile's, you know, it's not magic pixie dust. It's a methodology where we're going to learn, we're going to develop muscle mass and discipline and perseverance, and we're going to improve our processes, which is going to lead to statistically significant upgrade and outcomes. Perfect. Do we have any other questions from the audience before we start to wrap up and close up? No, it's Friday, they're late. Half of them have been drinking since we got started here, so that's fantastic. <laughs> and the other half want to do more drinking. The, the other half is like, when do, we, when do we get to the bar here? Um, <clears throat> we are very close to wrapping up the show, and, and of course I can't thank you enough. And, and as you said before, you were, you were my first twice, which was interesting. Um, you wanted to tell the San Diego story really quickly, so we can wrap on that. Okay, so this is kind of fun for those of you who have known Rick for a while and for those of you who haven't. So uh, this many years ago, I'm the president of the PMI San Diego chapter. We're doing our professional development day, like the one, the symposium we've been doing here. <clears throat> and it's towards the end of the day. And actually, ours ran longer because so we were having a dinner, and then we were going to have our final keynote. So I'm sitting at the, the, you know, one of the tables there, and several people at the table I know, several people I don't know, and and we're having dinner. But this, the the guy sitting immediately to my left, I, you know, he's kind of he's a very quiet introvert. He's clearly one of those engineering geeks that's part of, of PMI is what I'm I'm ascertaining, and. You know, he's eating a little bit of dinner, but, but he's had four Diet Cokes. And then he asked the <laughs> server if there's any chance he could get a Red Bull. In fact, could he get two? And the server manages to get him two Red Bulls. So I've watched him now drink four Diet Cokes and two Red Bulls, and yet I'm, I'm not sure he's breathing or has a pulse. And I'm concerned that before our keynote speaker takes the stage, he's going to be on the ground and I'm going to have to be doing CPR or we're going to have a loss of life. And I'm thinking this is going to really screw up the closing 
of our symposium, right? And, and the, the MC gets the stage and goes on and announces and talks about, you know, what a great day we've had. And now the, and I mean, the final wrap up, we've got this just super high powered speaker's gonna rock and roll and really raise the roof and Rick Morris this and Rick Morris that. And, and all I can think of is, damn, I hope this guy doesn't, you know, fall on the floor and, and interrupt Rick's, you know, powerful presentation. The guy, and so, so the MC says, so help me welcome Rick Morris to the stage and you may have guessed the punchline, at which point this comatose guy sitting next to me <laughs> springs to life, right? He'd been going internal and focusing and energizing, and he goes to stage, ramps up, and he does, raises the roof, rocks the house. We have just a great, great time, and that's when he and I met, and, and I've been telling that story on him <laughs> in PMI circles for the longest time because it just, it, it was such an odd experience <laughs> for me because I didn't know, I, didn't, I hadn't met Rick prior to this, right? I didn't know he was, so I didn't recognize that. If I had known, I guess it's good, because if I'd have thought he was our keynote speaker, I'd have probably been in real panic. <laughs> but you, well, I, I mean, it just is crazy. Bowl, you came, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, telling you, you came to life, and it was a fantastic time. And so he and I have been trading jabs on stage at events all around the country many That's years it. since, so. Well, I appreciate the story. I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we're out of time. Next week, I've uh, got Eric Watts coming on. He's got a fantastic story. He's part of the John Maxwell group with me. Can't wait to interview him. He, uh, his story is phenomenal. It's one to definitely tune into. Again, uh, the 23rd, 24th, I'll be at the Resource Planning Summit on the USS Intrepid. For those of you in New York that listen, you can come meet me in person there. We appreciate you listening to the uh, Voice America Network and listening to the Work-Life Balance. We'll talk to you next week live. We appreciate it. You've been listening to Rick Morris. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.